Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name is Emma Doyle and I'm here with Dan James. Now, Dan spent 16 years as the US Paralympic coach for wheelchair tennis in the United States. 11 medals, three gold. He is super, super uh, insightful. And I love how Dan has taken, can I say, tennis, the sport of tennis, which I can totally relate to. And he's gone on to build a fantastic business coaching business uh, impactful communication through storytelling and relationship building is really the foundation of where you come from. So I can't wait to talk to you about that and so much more. Dan, welcome to the show. Emma, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Yes. All right. Well, look, we'll get straight into it. It is the Australian spread of Vegemite. You either <laughs> love it or you strongly dislike it. What's your take? Oh, I love Vegemite. First time I went to Australia, I was forced into having it. I complained. I said no. And I have it every time I'm there. Oh, oh you now, now I've even grown even more fond of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, because you answered that way, could you share a coaching moment that went really well and what might be a lesson or two? I think my, if I look back, my greatest coaching moment uh, was, was actually what became my ultimate impact, which is the foundation of, of my practice. And it was the moment where another coach told me to be quiet, to not coach. And, and it was because there was an older girl in a wheelchair helping a younger girl in a wheelchair. And in that moment, tennis, this amazing vehicle to help people find themselves and to find their best self, that moment between those two young women was more important than what I had to say. And, and it made me realize that coaching is an intentional choice of when to be impactful and when to allow, allow the impact to take care of itself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes less is more, isn't it? It, it is so true. And, and, and oftentimes our silence and allowing who we're coaching to develop it on their own, not only is good coaching, but it leads to their ownership. And, and really as coaches, isn't that what we're trying to do? We're trying to transfer ownership of our content. And it's a, it's a beautiful moment. Yeah. And isn't it also interesting? I'm going rogue already, Dan, but I was thinking <laughs> back to us as tennis coaches when we're subject matter experts and we're continually trying to get all our knowledge out of our head, especially as a young coach, into the other person. It's almost pushing it. And, and now my coaching philosophy is really more about how do we pull the information out of them rather than push our information onto them? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, I think it's, first of all, I, I could not agree with you more. Um, I think there's a progression in, in this concept of transferring knowledge. And, and it started at, at the PTR International Symposium. I did a presentation. I said, look, the progression to learning a skill, you teach it, you coach it, you integrate it, allow them to use it, and then all, all of a sudden they master it. Well, in that process, you know, we have a real responsibility to allow whoever we're coaching to fail to do it on their own. And, and they probably know more about themselves than we do, I'm, I'm hoping. And so if we allow them to take ownership of that, we render ourselves useless because they haven't. So what do you think of on-court coaching then? I think on-court coaching is great. 
uh, as long as, as the relationship is one in which the coaching should almost be one word. So if we've done the repetitions and, and in the teaching, I do the talking. Teaching, I am the speaker. I am, I am delivering the knowledge and I'm trying to deliver a foundation of understanding. Coaching should be like one word. It should trigger a thought process for who I'm coaching. So on court coaching should be super simple, right? If, if I'm coaching someone who's playing too far back, I should just be able to say time and space to trigger that concept. I got to go forward. I've got to eliminate my, my opponent's time and space. Right. And, and so if, if I've done my job, the teaching's already done. I can't teach on court, but I can coach because I'm not doing too much. Fantastic. What about on the flip side, mate? Can you think of a coaching moment that didn't go well and what might be a lesson or two? So there is a catalog to choose from. Buckle up. I mean, this could be the whole podcast. Um, I, I think it's in the same guys. Um, it was in the moment early in my career where I felt this pressure to be the Paralympic coach. And, and I felt pressure to, to prove how knowledgeable I was. And, and so we would have people at an international camp and I'd be talking for five minutes before they hit a ball. Um, and I realized shortly thereafter that that not only was ineffective, but it drained the energy of the entire group. And, and this is, again, where being very intentional and impactful in what I say and doing as little as possible. And, and But I, I cannot tell you for the first few years that, that I was the Paralympic coach, uh, I made the mistake of, of trying to give too much. There's a consistent theme already around. I know. I know. Less is more, isn't it? And seek well, before you speak. You know, in, in my practice, because I do so much with communication um, in the soft skills in the business world, you know, we really talk about the responsibility of a coach, a leader, to identify where their audience is at. Right. And, and I have this thing that I call translational communication. Whatever my brilliance is, whatever my superpower is, I should be able to translate that to the lowest common denominator. And if I can deliver that in terms that, that my audience understands, I've been successful. But if I deliver it on my terms and, and I don't create a connection, then shame on me. That, that is my fault because I have not assessed in any way, shape or form who I'm speaking. So meeting people where they're at. Not only meeting them where they're at, but understanding what, what their ability to take in is. Mm. All have a limited ability. And, and eventually... Super happy to check out. You've just surpassed my, my my room for knowledge. I'm out. I need to be able to assess what that is. I need to be able to say, I'm going to give you this much. I'm going to let you own that. And, and I'm going to let you play with it. I'm going to let you succeed. I'm going to let you fail until you're ready for more. Mm. Coaching such a wonderful dance, isn't it? Around when to wear what hat, when to say, you know, when that choice of, that decision to really, is this comment that I'm about to say, is it necessary half the time? We yeah. fill in the space too. We fill in the silence. Oh, don't we? silence is so uncomfortable, isn't it? Oh my isn't gosh. It? You know, Especially I as a former but, tennis coach. Oh, Emma, stop it. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's super interesting in, in terms of there's this communication process. And when we work on presentation coaching, things like that, there is this inherent need not to have an awkward silence. And yet that awkward silence is actually a moment for people to process. And so when I talk about the timing of delivery, when I talk about the, the raising and lowering of volume, the speed, we talk about the pause. 
if you've just made an impactful statement, if you've just, as a coach, delivered important information, give your audience the space to go through it, to learn it, to actually digest it before you leave them, before they have a chance to consume it. I think martial arts does that better than any other sport sometimes. I say that because my one of my mentors, a uh, fantastic guy, Damien Carmody Stevens, who is features in my in my book, What Makes a Great Coach, numerous times. He he calls it the power of the pause. And he said it to me when I was 18. Like what an amazing lesson that was as a coach. And when I watch him coach, you know, a couple of years ago, I flew to Singapore to watch him. He was the national kendo coach. And to watch him in action and pause the way it's it was Yoda like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really funny because the self assured coach, um, and and I, I talk in terms of the, the the coach who really knows knows who they are. They don't need to sound smart. They don't need to be brilliant. They don't need to constantly be speaking, because because a confident coach makes it about the people they're coaching, mm. and and the ability to pause. The ability to repeat, right? And we have this need. I've, I've got this curriculum. I've got to get through it, except they didn't understand this section. So why would I move forward when they're not digesting what I just did? You know, and the confident coach can say, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with pausing here. Obviously, we need to spend some time. It's not my fault. It's not their fault. It's where we're at in this dance or this relationship. So many great points already. Everyone, get your notepad and pen out. I have... I'm doing the same thing right now. So I'm loving this chat already, Dan, and we're not even into our third question, which is, <laughs> of course, our sliding doors question. I think my entire journey with wheelchair tennis is that moment. Um, it, whenever I have a chance to speak, I, I thank my parents, right? And and it was the conversation I had. I, I went to them when I was in, in my middle 20s, and I said, Mom, Dad, I think I'm going to pursue wheelchair tennis as a career. And my Father immediately said, well, is there any money in it? No. And they said, well, good for you. Go for it. What? <laughs> right? What? Um, but it was that moment where where I just decided that that I am passionate about this. This fills, fills my cup and, and I can actually be impactful. Um, and I had to move away from home to do it. And, and so this was a seminal moment when I was in my middle 20s. And, and that sliding door, I don't know where or who I would be had I not been brave enough to make that decision had I not had this incredible support to make this decision. And, and so this is kind of one of those moments where you have to make a choice. Am I going to jump into the deep end or am I going to play it safe? And, and that was my sliding door. And Where did you move to? Uh, Birmingham, Alabama. I worked for three years at a place called the Lakeshore Foundation, which is a phenomenal nonprofit based on sport development and life for, for people with physical disabilities. And I, it was an incredible growing experience. Mm. Um, I'd never been away from, from home. I mean, I traveled for tennis and playing, but I never lived somewhere else. So I, I, I look back at that period of my life and say, boy, I, I grew up there. And, and I never would have had that opportunity. You know, and as you look at that sliding door, and, and there was two clear options, play it safe and be a Minnesota boy my whole life, or go out into the world. And, and I look at what I had the opportunity to be a part of and gosh, I, I just could not be more thankful. Mm. And do you mind, uh, selfishly, I'm asking this question. I want to know your second sliding door moment about my story 19, uh, which is the yeah, name sorry. of your consulting business. You know, well, how did you make that 
shift? Um, I'm, I'm going to go back to the fact that I've been very fortunate to have supportive people, including my wife. Um, I, I left tennis when, when the USTA went down to Florida. Um, we couldn't move down there and made a wonderful transition. Jason Harnett is, is now running the program there, doing an incredible job. Um, but we had to stay. So I, I, I thought, hmm, I've been a leader my whole life. That's what I should be. And so I took an executive director role with a wonderful nonprofit. Um, and I had to come to terms with the fact that am I a leader or am I a coach? And it was, it was this, it was going to go one way or the other. Um, and they're not mutually exclusive. So I don't mean to imply that. That was going to be my next question. So yeah, next no, they're, 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 they're not mutually exclusive, uh, but, but one is more dominant. Um, and the impact of, of knowledge transfer and helping people grow was more important than leading to me. And so we had a, a very difficult family situation. And, and my wife just looked at me and said, are you happy? And I said, no. And she said, you've been waiting to start your own company for forever. It's time. And, and so Story 19 Consulting was, was born. Um, and that journey has, has been amazing. You know, I, I had the opportunity to impact through tennis. And now I have the, the opportunity to impact through, through communication, soft skill coaching. Um, and I just feel like the luckiest SOB in the world. Thank you for sharing that, and I look forward to asking you a little bit more about the uh, how you came up with the name um, post our official questions. The next question is, in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? Impact. One word. Um, now, I selfishly say that because impact is the foundation of my practice now, and it was the foundation of my coaching. Um, now, when I say the word impact, there are so many different streams that lead to that end that they're almost countless. Um, so as a, as, a, as a great coach, you find that lane in which you make an impact. It doesn't have to be the same as mine. It doesn't have to be the same as yours, Emma. But, but you should have your own lane in which you deliver an impact, right? Because at the end of the day, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, long after we're gone, we will have a legacy. And the impact you make is the legacy. No one will remember all the awards. No one will remember any of that. People remember the impact you make. And I don't know if it's in the sport of tennis, right? What are the percentage of people that go pro or play Division One tennis in America? It's so low. What are the percentage of people we coach that can be impacted and lead a better life because of being coached? Well, that's 100%. Like there's nothing else that can be 100%. And, and so a great coach makes an impact um, in, in finding that lane for yourself and, and really being clear on the impact you want to make. What is it? Do you want to just create great tennis players? Do you want to create great people? Right. And, but, but being very clear on the impact you want to make will make you a better coach. And helping others to discover their lane. You know, I, I hear it all the time these days where people are say, you know, where people say that I just don't know what I want to do and here are all these things that I love to do. So, you know, why do, why do I have to pick one lane? What are your thoughts on that? I think I'll tell, I'll tell you the, the same, the same story. So with every coaching engagement, especially executive coaching engagement, I start with ultimate impact. What is your ultimate impact? In one sentence, you have to clarify why are you on this earth? 
right? And so the story I told earlier about a coach telling me to be quiet and, and the, the older girl helping the younger girl, that actually fundamentally solidified my ultimate impact. And my ultimate impact in one sense is creating vehicles to help others find their best self, period, right? It's one sense. Now, again, the, the ways I do that are, are numerous, you know, and, and the ways others teach me to do that uh, have been numerous. But, but at the end of the day, I have everything I choose to do has a relationship to my ultimate impact. And so, gosh, you can make a ton of impacts. You can, you can go through a lot of lanes. In fact, as a, as a decent coach, I have to decide what lane to take with each individual I work with. They're not the same, but they're leading to that same end. And so if you have clarity on what your ultimate impact is, that should give you some clarity in what you want to do. And I always tell my story about, you know, pursuing wheelchair tennis when, when there really wasn't a job, and it was, but it filled my cup. It was the impact I wanted to make. And I, I did dive into that deep end. And, and my father once told me, don't worry about the money. If you're passionate and you become good at something, you'll find it. Much better to fill your much better to fill your cup in this life than, than to fill your pocketbook. Go on, dead. For sure. I still call him on occasion for that kind of advice. Just, just full transparency. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so I'm going to run mine past you, but I want to, I want to actually just help have you help me reframe the end of it. So I harness energy and empower people to take authentic action and see real possibilities beyond what they ever could have imagined possible. But the the last part about, and I just hit me then, by the way, this is an aha moment at it live here <laughs> on the podcast, beyond what they ever could have imagined. That's almost saying that I don't believe they could have imagined it. So I want to reframe that with you. Uh, at, first of all, yeah, I mean, I when I say my ultimate impact, energy, it's the number one thing that people uh say about me. It's the number one thing that I, the way that I connect with people. So I love that. And my life, the only way I know how to be successful, Dan, is by taking action. So I, so that really sits well. And then I love the idea of real possibilities. So the first part's feeling really good, but I need to change the ending. I harness energy and empower people to take authentic action and see real possibilities, period. I don't know. Thoughts? The, I think period is fine, right? And and I'm a firm believer. Um, I always talk when, in my practice about starting at 50,000 feet, right? Too often we we jump into the middle or at the bottom and, and we don't have a full picture, right? And, and so you can take this concept and, and end with, with possibility and then circle down to the fact that, that you haven't allowed yourself to see it yet. It's not that it can't be imagined. It's not that that it's not there. You just haven't allowed yourself to see it yet. Mm. And that is a gift, right? You're literally opening eyes. Um, and I will second that that your connection through energy is contagious. And so keep that in there. That is that is your gift. It's one of your superpowers. I just think it's amazing, you know, but, but less is more in that first statement. And then it can drill down, right? And, and each piece is meaningful to the people that you're working with. And meaningful to me and them, you know, the dance, back to that dance, isn't it? It's got to light me up. I tell everyone I coach, whether it's on the tennis court, whether whether it is in an executive setting, 
I'm super happy you're paying me, but there's a real possibility I'm going to learn more. <laughs> right. And that's it, full transparency. Like many of the, 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 much of the language in my curriculum has been honed by my clients. They said it better than I did. Oh my gosh, full credit to you. Well done. I'm stealing that. Right. And, and I consider myself a, a professional thief. I know there's a wonderful book out there called the, the art of stealing. I, I don't recall the author, but this concept is coaches that, that, being right is far less important than doing the right thing. And, and so if I have the ability to take someone else's brilliance and, and make it my own, give them credit and say this brilliant person I know who's taught me so much, taught me to say it this way. Well, I'm better for it. I, I'm absolutely better for it. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm the coach, you're the coach, and yet we're in a constant state of learning. And I, I just think it's such a great place to be. Yeah. So speaking of which, uh, I today gave credit to Eric Isle for this definition of an engaged employee, a fellow human who is so emotionally connected and committed to their work that they willingly and proactively go above and beyond their job description to help the organization attain its vision, fulfill its mission and achieve its goals. Full credit to Eric there, Eric Isle, who's also a fellow business coach, corporate coach. Yeah. And I'm wondering why you haven't sent that to me yet. <laughs> it's on LinkedIn today. Everyone, okay, check great. it out. Check it out. Although this episode won't be released for a couple of weeks. But anyway, uh, uh, I absolutely adore that. And I will definitely send it to you. Just one more time. What was the name of the book? The Art of? The Art of Stealing. And, and I apologize. I'm drawing a blank on the author right now. That's okay. I'll I'll put but, it in the show notes. I'll look it up. It's, but it's, it's the, the, again, the concept. And, and I actually, a number of years ago at the PTR, they were kind enough to give me an award. And in the speech before this book came out, I actually said, uh, full confession, uh, you know, I want to thank each of you for being so brilliant. I have stolen from each of you and I've never given you credit, nor will I. That's not true. I will give them credit. But but the concept is we we are so fortunate to be surrounded by brilliance every day. And and if we're so worried about what we think and, and being right, we're going to miss these learning opportunities. You know, and sometimes it's much like coaching. Sometimes the, the best thing you can do is shut up and listen because something amazing is going to happen. And recently I've been upping my social media game and I was thinking, geez, there's such a thing as an original thought <laughs> that actually <laughs> came to my mind because when I when I think of certain things, I'm like, I'm sure somebody said that to me or, uh, you know, I interview so many amazing coaches, uh, Betty Magnotta, she said, seek before you speak. So again, I said that earlier in the podcast and that just came to me, but that's full credit to her because I interviewed her months ago that that, that little one-liner oh. came, yeah, it just came to me. So uh, shout out to Becky for that as well. I, I just, I really appreciate that. Give give credit where credit's due and also through storytelling, which which is where we're going next, uh, is is definitely how you create your individuality and, and how that helps you pick your lane. Uh, so We'll head there in a moment. But our last official question is where we ask you to ask us a question. You know, I always, I have always started with, because it's where I started my own work. It's where I ask people. Um, but when you first have an audience that you're working with, what do you give of yourself to connect? Wow. No one's ever asked that before. What do you give of yourself to connect? 
Hmm. I love it. I'm pausing. Get in deep early. It's what I do. I'm pausing for effect to let everyone sink that question in. I won't be editing out that pause either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Connection's so important, isn't it? All right. So let's talk about storytelling. Let's go there. I want to know two things. Uh, Number one, could you share the backstory of story 19 and how you, how you came up with it? Cause I, I've, I've heard it once before, but that's how, you know, I, I loved the story. So, it makes, it, it, you know, it makes no sense when you look at it. I, first of all, in, in soft skills, in leadership and coaching, I think we create relationships with storytelling. And, and so I fundamentally believe that absolutely everything we say is a story. Now, not, not the kind of story that starts with once upon a time, right? It's, it's not about that story is any vehicle to create understanding. It could be a spreadsheet. It could be a picture. But but we are telling a story to deliver understanding. And, and so when I talk about soft skills, when I talk about impact and connection, it starts with story. So I wanted to have a story in my title. Highway 19 in Minnesota uh, goes to my hometown of Northfield, Minnesota. And as a, as a kid, my group of friends just fell in love with the number 19. It's my favorite number to this day. And, and so... Every question was answered with 19, you know, but as as I started to travel the world with tennis and, and as I started to branch out and move to, to Alabama, I now live in Seattle away from home. I realized that that Highway 19 was my way out into the world, but it's also my way back home. And it's a very grounding thing for me. And, and so it's embedded into my story. It's at my foundation. So I believe in storytelling and, and the number 19 is one of the most seminal stories of my life. And and so that's the birth of Story 19 Consulting. Fantastic. And so going back to that question, what do you give of yourself to connect, starting with a story or a coach, a sports coach who has an audience in front of them, not a war story where after you've warmed up, (laughs) you're standing there for five minutes and I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about either a presentation or, you know, an an off-court session sharing a story and sharing a personal story and being vulnerable does seem like a pretty cool way to connect these days. There seems to be a lot of power in uh, uh, Brene Brown, of course, power in, you know, vulnerability. You look, well, I think she's awesome and and follow all her work. So, uh, but what, what are your thoughts on connecting with a story straight up? I think you have to. I think I don't, you know, people, the, the old school way of presenting will start with a joke, which is, by the way, if you're out there writing a speech, don't do that. Uh, but but starting with a story that you can find a relationship to your content, a personal story. And at the end of the day, I always I always tell people that that all your information, I don't care. I don't care about your information until I care about you. Right. And, and so you have to give of yourself to the degree that you're comfortable. And, and that starts with the personal story. And so if I'm if I'm doing a, a story on failing, uh, I tell I tell an experience in which I failed and how it transitions into my content. Uh, if I'm if I'm telling a story about teaching, I'll share a highlight of how I was vastly moved by this weird, successful moment that I actually taught something. You know, but but it was the story is not the story of what happened. It was the impact on me either way. And and I want you to know that through this story, what I'm about to tell you is impactful because it impacted me. 
And, and now you've seen a piece of me as a human being rather than just my context. So what makes a great storyteller? Authenticity. Authenticity. It is, it is the ability for you to convey authentic feelings, emotions, and impact. I don't care if you're a good speaker or not. We've all heard great speakers who tell these amazing stories. They're funny and walk away and have nothing. I got nothing out of that. And then you have the person that stumbles, they're nervous, and I have not forgotten that speech my entire life. Who's better? Mm. Person who was authentic, who made an impact. And, and so I really don't care how great the storyteller you are. I care how authentic you are and how you deliver that impact. Mm. And how do you feel about research supporting your content these days? How important is it that rather than just saying, oh, this is my opinion and everyone should have a coach in their life versus this is, you know, how much you can increase employee engagement or you can Im impact accountability within your team based on the Gallup survey, you know, that coaching uh, can have an effect by up to 10 to 50%, which is a huge range. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on on that, you know, the science behind the importance of what you teach? It is inherently wrapped into what I do. So I no longer use outlines. I'm a, I created an impact line. That's how the into impact I am. But it, but it actually starts with, it's replacing outlines for me. And so what is the ultimate impact of, of this conversation, this meeting, or this presentation? Who's my audience? They are either, you know, novice, academic, or expert, right? And then instead of uh, Roman numerals, I have impact in moment number one that supports my ultimate impact. I have a story. And last is information. The information is critical, but I have to create buy-in through impact and story for people to hear the information. So I can say, look, you should hire me. You're going to be 10 to 50% better. So, right, then that, that makes no sense. But if I can create that connection with an impact in, in maybe an example of someone I've helped or, or an article that I read, that has some some stuff like that. Now I can throw the statistics in there. So I think statistical evidence is critical as long as you've got the person you're speaking with in a position to take it in. Fantastic. Who was a coach that had a huge impact on the way that you do things now? Two. Two. Um, I just picture in my first workshop I ever did with Story19 Consulting, connection is one of the first things that I do. And there's a picture of my high school tennis coach and my college tennis coach at my wedding talking together. And I just have this chill every time I see it uh, because I think in terms of what, what they offered me, and they're great tennis coaches, by the way, technically, strategically, you know, from a conditioning standpoint. But my high school coach, Jim Holden, taught me that who I was was, was far more important than how well I did. Are you a good person? And my college coach, Steve Wilkinson at Gustavus Adolphus College, taught me that, that, that the impact you make is more important than the results you deliver. And, and so here are these guys that, that helped me to develop into a just slightly above mediocre tennis player, uh, but, but developed me into a far better person through, through their teachings and their coaching. And, and so here I am, you know, at 53 years old, and I still talk about them in every workshop I do. That's how impactful they were for me. I'm not sure what the through line now of the episode is going to be because it was going to be less is more, but this word impact 
it's not only what makes a great coach, it's just coming out in in the mentors, in uh, picking the lane. Uh, I'm really, I'm really excited about just the power of the word impact, actually. That's what's coming up for me. So let's go there to round off this episode. Let's talk about what are your top three tips that a coach listening to this episode, how can they have the biggest impact on the people they work with? Number one, coach the person, not the skill. Number two, don't try to be someone else that you respect. Be the best coach you can be. Authenticity. 100%. And number three, celebrate failure as the only vehicle to success. Well, I fail every day, so that must mean I'm right on track. (laughs) Me too. Yes, I'm growing. I love that reminder. It's been such a, a, a an intentional and proactive chat. We spoke about that earlier off air. I'm throwing that one in as well because it was get, so get good. Get it in there. Yeah. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation with you. And, and also just for the listeners out there, we met at a conference. Many people go to conferences And I was so inspired by Dan's presentation. I said, hey, can you spend 15 minutes with me having a coffee? Right? Everyone's got 15 minutes. And, of course, it was more like an hour and 15, which you gave freely of your time. And we sat down. And even the other thing I'll say to the listeners, it was a couple of years later, again, that I reached out to you. And I even said, I hope you remember me or, or do you remember me or something along those lines? And he's like, are you kidding, Emma? Of course I remember you and the conversation we had. So be mindful that people are approachable. And if you resonate with somebody, I really resonated with your message. And and even now in my life, I'm super grateful just to be reconnected and just to be able to have this conversation and know that. I'm right on track, failing every day, and I have my impact statement. Thank you to you, which I'm going to round off the episode because I've because I I'm, I'm just going to run the new version past you now. All right, just to to finish it off, I harness energy and empower people to take authentic action and see real possibilities unleashing human potential. I love it. Thank you. Clear. Emma, thank you so much for having me. Just so for your listeners to understand that when Emma reached out, it made my day. I, I have the exact same memory on the other side of, of that conference and that conversation. Um, if you're lucky enough to, to be empowered and energized by brilliant people, you should take advantage. Well, I've just taken action during this podcast and I've got goosebumps. <laughs> I've got goosebumps. So if you want to learn more about Dan James, please visit mystory19.com. Uh, and check out the show notes to learn more about his uh, amazing career. Thank you so much, Dan James, for being on The Coaching Podcast. Thank you, Emma. The Coaching Podcast is sponsored by The Samson Agency, a boutique talent agency managing entertainers, artists, and athletes. You can learn more at thesamsonagency.com. And if you're interested in becoming a coach, 
Check out opendoorcoachingusa.com for all our latest courses in Leader as Coach and our High Performance Workplace Coaching Certification. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Coaching Podcast, please share it with a fellow coach and thanks for listening.